0: I'm in this series, and this will be the last one, but I've been talking about joy. We talked about, um, you know, how on Christmas we talked about the joy of the Lord, and we talked about how joy is a choice. You just make a choice that uh, I choose joy. It's funny. I was talking with uh, Sam and Dina, and uh, in the first service after the first service, and uh, he said, "You know," he said, um, "We were at Home Depot and." said, we were making a return. He said, I started getting really aggravated. I don't think Sam would mind that. I'm throwing, it, throwing him under the bus right now. He shared it with me. I'm sharing it with you. And um, he said, I just started getting really aggravated and really upset. And um, he said, you know what? Just forget it. He said, I'll just, I'll come back and uh, we'll take care of this tomorrow. And um, so he got out in the parking lot and Dina was like, now remember what pastor said. And that was choose joy. You need to choose joy. And Sam was like, I was just, you know, I had had it. He said, I'm not choosing joy right now. I'm mad and I want to be mad. Anybody ever been there? Amen. Listen, I'm mad and I want to be mad right now. What? The preacher's mad? Yeah, the preacher's mad. Right? Somebody like, oh no, what did we do? Well, first of all, I'm mad about what happened last night. Oh, H. Oh, okay. okay. A silly football game, right? Um, (laughs) I'm going to talk to us about how you can be mad and happy at the same time. Mad and happy at the same time, right? But anyhow, um, I believe they got ripped off. That's just my honest opinion. Y'all can think what you want to think. Y'all can say, I don't care but I'm a fan. And when you're a fan, you care. All right. Praise the Lord. Confession is good for the soul. So I'm confessing that I'm mad. Look at your neighbor and say, he's mad. I'm not going to try to make that or let that come out in my preaching though. Okay. So father help me because, um, sometimes I don't know what I'm doing. So I need you to help me today, Lord. I need you to just strengthen me with your spirit. I pray God that you would use me God to speak to your heart the hearts of your people, Lord, will never cease to give you the praise nor the glory for it. It is in Jesus' name that we pray, amen, and everyone said, amen. I want to talk to you this morning on the strength of joy, the strength of joy, and the paradox of joy is you could be experiencing in your life right now one of the worst seasons that you've ever gone through. You could be in the middle of a trial or in this extended season of just one thing after the other and uh, you're feeling the pain of the trial, you're feeling the aggravation of the trial, the frustration of it, all of the emotions that go with trials and tribulations, all of those things, but yet still have joy in the process. Um, the Bible gives us several examples of this. I'll share uh, two of them with you today. The first one is found in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number two. And this is what it says. It says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, who is the pioneer, the beginning or the beginner and the perfecter of faith for the joy that is set before him. He endured the cross scorning its shame and set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, when you think about Calvary and when you think about the crucifixion and you think about the suffering uh, and the torment that Jesus had to go through, you really, don't, uh, you really don't associate joy with that. You really don't put those two together. You don't put the suffering, the crucifixion, You don't mix joy with that, but that's exactly what the writer of Hebrews does. He takes the cross, he takes the crucifixion, and then he brings joy in with it. And so, Jesus on the cross, naturally, he feels the physical pain, the suffering, the torment that he had to go through. But it wasn't just the physical pain that Jesus... Endured. He also was dealing with emotional and mental pain. As a matter of fact, he was dealing with the separation of or from the Father. You see, when God took our sin and placed it on Jesus, He bore our sins, the Bible said, on the cross. When God took our sin and placed it on Jesus, the curse of sin which is death, was put on Jesus. And when the curse of sin was placed upon Jesus, who, by the way, was sinless, the Bible said that the father had to turn his back on the son. Uh, So not only do we hear Jesus crying out, I thirst, but what also we hear him saying is what? My father, my father, why have you forsaken me? So at that very moment, Jesus is experiencing the pain of abandonment. But yet, he endured the cross, the Bible says, for that that was the joy that was set before him. He endured the pain, the shame, the suffering of the cross, and in exchange for the joy of redemption. So these two emotions, feelings are going on in his, in his life at this moment. He's feeling the pain, the anguish of the separation, but he's also experiencing the joy of what's taking place on that cross. Why? Because he knows that what is happening at that moment is simply man is now being redeemed back to the father. Right, And that was the joy that was set before him. Put it another way, he was peering into beyond that moment. As a matter of fact, he looked into 2019, turning the page into 2020. And the reason that he was able to have joy in that moment was he knew that there would be people like you and I who would surrender our life to him who would accept him as our Lord and our Savior. And that brought joy to him in one of the most painful moments and periods in his life. That was the joy that was set before him. So you can be experiencing pain, sorrow, grief, suffering, and still have joy unspeakable and full of glory. In other words, you don't have to forfeit joy for your trial. You don't have to forfeit joy for your storm. You can, in the middle of it, still have peace and still have joy. His activity on the cross reveals the distinction between feelings and emotional conditions. He he feels pain, but yet he has joy. As a matter of fact, in the middle of his pain, he still has the ability to minister to those that are around him. Because the thief on the cross in his pain yells out to Jesus in his pain and asks Jesus to remember him when he comes, comes into his kingdom. And so Jesus in his pain turns back to the man on the cross and says, today you will be with me in paradise. What I'm trying to get us to see and understand is this. You don't have to forfeit ministry just because you're going through an affliction or a difficult season in your life. As a matter of fact, God has given you the grace and the strength to minister to people in spite of the pain that you're going through does anybody know what I'm talking about in this place right now? So how does that happen? How does that come about? This is, this is the paradox of joy um, because this is how that you could lose your job and naturally be worried about how am I going to take care of the bills? How am I going to take care of my family? You know, how are we going to make ends meet? But on the other hand, you can be experiencing joy. You can be experiencing excitement. Why? Because now you understand that because this door has closed, then God's going God's to open another door for me. In other words, you can be experiencing or excited about the opportunities that are before you. And so, so this door may shut, but how many of you know God's a door opener? you got to help me today. God is a door opener. And so you can be experiencing, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what's going to happen. But also you can be experiencing, God's got something good for me. God's got something new for me. God, I don't know what you're up to, but I know that you're up to something good for me. And that's why when someone asks you how you're doing, you can say, I'm sad and I'm excited at the same time. Yeah, I'm, I'm sad because I lost it, but I'm excited because something new is about to happen in my life. I'm, I'm mad, told you it'd make sense in a minute, but I'm glad. I'm glad that it happened. I'm mad that it happened, but I'm glad that it happened, right? I'm glad that it happened because now, now I'm gonna step out where before, I was a little bit reluctant to step out because I was in my safe zone. Let me come over here. I was in my secure place. It's kind of like, like the eaglets in the nest. And then when mama says, you know what, you've been hanging in this nest, it's been too comfortable for too long, and mama starts taking out all those things that make that nest very comfortable. And it gets to the place where where mama starts removing all of the cushiony things in that little eaglet's life. So now that eaglet is in that nest, and all that eaglet starts to feel is the pricking from the thorns that are in that nest. And every time that eaglet moves, it's like, that hurts, that's painful, and all of a sudden the the eaglet says, you know what? I'm tired of getting poked and prodded in this place. I I think I'm going to leap. And that eaglet leaps out of that nest. Amen. And how many of you know God can teach you how to fly in mid-flight? Come on, son. God can teach you how to soar when you think you're going to crash. Yeah. So if God wouldn't have permitted certain things in our life, if God wouldn't allow certain things to happen in our life, you either have to believe God's in control or He's not. You either have to believe God, you got this, or He doesn't. You either have to believe in His sovereignty that God, you know what's best for me. You either have to believe that He does know what's best for you or not. I've told you this from the beginning. God goes into your future and He starts working back. God's already been in your tomorrow. God's already been in your next week. God's already been in your next year. And God says, I'm allowing this to happen because I know that in order for me to get you to where you need to be, these things need to happen in your life. So I'm mad and I'm happy at the same time. Come on, somebody, put your hands together and give God praise. That's why the psalmist wrote that weeping may endure for the night, but joy is coming in the morning. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy is coming in the morning. How many of you know that, that you, the night season is morning? Say it to you this way. Every new day begins in the dark. Not not when we wake up, but every new day begins at midnight. How many of you know it's dark at midnight? Right? It's still dark. So your new day begins in the dark season of your life. And what's hard about that is you can't see, you can't see what's going on around you because it is dark. And so you can be rejoicing and crying in the same season. I can be rejoicing, uh, and I can be weeping in the same day. Joy comes in the morning. Weeping endures for the night. Weeping is temporal. Joy is eternal. We're taking this thing all the way to Jesus. Come on, somebody. We're taking it. So here's the first thing. Number one. If you're taking notes, number one, if you're not taking notes, number one, joy is a focus, not a feeling. I kind of feel like preaching today, so we might be in trouble. Joy is a focus, not a feeling. Since when do we go by our feelings? How many of you know they'll play tricks with you? Yeah? Well, I don't feel like it. Well, it's not about whether we feel like it or not. Well, you know, I don't know. Well, we we don't go by our feelings. Joy is a focus. What did the writer say? Fixing our eyes where? On Jesus. Focusing, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Anything else is going to disappoint. When you set your attention, when you set your focus on any other thing, it will disappoint. Uh, There are people that are not going to meet nor live up to your expectations. It's not going to happen. People, things, situations always fall short of, of what you're expecting and what you're believing. But how many of you know God goes above and beyond anything that we can think or even imagine? So here's what happens. Here's what happens. The enemy knows this. And so then the enemy comes into our life and he tries to break our focus. And so one of the things that he does is he tries to get our focus off of Jesus and get our focus on people. So he turns our attention to people and not towards Jesus. And what happens is, especially when you're dealing in the area of joy and happiness in your life, what happens is when you start looking at other people, you have, you have to be careful because then you'll fall into the comparison trap. Because you'll look at somebody and you'll say things like this. Well, look at what they're wearing. Look at what they're wearing. Uh, or you'll, you'll look at them and say, well, look what they're driving. And, and my car's still being held together by bumper stickers. <laughs> and then you'll look at them and say, well, look where they're living. Right? Right? Uh, did you see where they went on vacation? Did you see their vacation pictures? I mean, look at their kids. Their kids never act up. Their husband, he, look at their, her husband. Look, look, at, look at his wife. And we start looking at people. We start looking at things. Did you see their Facebook picture? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How many of you know Facebook is the highlight reel of somebody's life right they're not going to take pictures of their kids when they're yelling at them to find their shoes because you're going to church where's your shoe where's your shoe come on parents yeah this is billy he can't find his shoe that's why he's crying and that's why we're pouring, uh, pulling our hair out. No, they're gonna have Billy smiling with his shoes on. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. Highlight reel. Look at this happy couple. They're always smiling, gazing into each other's eyes, always walking down the road holding hands, where you didn't see 30 minutes ago they were throwing pots and pans at each other. <laughs> right? It's a highlight reel. And so when you start looking at people, and when you, especially if you start looking at their social media, come on, we don't post the bad things. We post the positive things, right? And so you start comparing yourself, and you're like, I wish I was happy. I wish I had what they had. And then we start focusing on possessions, So if it's not people that he gets us to focus on, he starts to get us to focus on possessions. And we say things like this, I'd be happy if, I sure would be happy if I was driving that car. And so what happens is people try to sell us things, to sell us their stuff so that we can be happy. If you live over here, you're going to be happy. If you wear this outfit, you're going to be happy. If you drink this, you're going to be happy. Right? Can we just get real for a little bit? You ever see the beer commercials? You ever see anybody sad? (laughs) This is Bob. He is so depressed. No, this is Bob, and he's with all of his friends, and they're all hanging out, and they're having a great time. Liars. <laughs> Bob's at home, by himself, depressed. They try to get us to buy things, thinking that if we'll buy these things, we will be happy. Because that's what we want. We want to be happy, right? What's the song? calls um, yeah. want me to sing it? (laughs) So we buy the possessions, and then we have to buy storage units to put our stuff in, right? Because we thought those things were going to make us happy, but they don't. Possessions do not produce lasting joy. You know this. You just experienced it with Christmas. Your kids were about 30 minutes. They were happy for 30 minutes with that new toy. 30 minutes. And now it's like, what's next? As a matter of fact, some of them even 30 minutes It's like, open it up, what's next? Come on, we all spoil our kids. I know it, I've been there, done that, right? But we know that's our nature. So these things are not going to make us happy. You know that new car you bought? Well, if you were thinking about buying a new car, that one, right, what's the first thing you say? Nobody's eating in this car. I better not catch you eating any food in this car. If I catch you eating any food in this car, you'll be walking. You're not eating in this car. Maybe, maybe you can, maybe, maybe you can get some coffee, but you ain't not, not, nope, not going to happen. Year later, fries all over the floorboard. <laughs> Catch up stains all over the seat. Looks like a trash can in the back part, right? I mean, it's just everything's been dumped back there. Because the newness wears off. It's fleeting, it doesn't last. And here's, here's the point, church. The enemy cannot, listen to me, the enemy can't keep you from being blessed because you are blessed. He cannot stop you from being You are blessed. So you know what he does? He tries to make us think that we are not blessed when we start comparing ourselves to other people and their possessions. Well, God must not love me as much as he loves them. Look at what they have and look at what I have. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Do you realize, I think I shared this with you before, but I'll say it again, do you realize that if you make between thirty-nine dollars and $44,000 a year, you are in the top 1%, the wealthiest people on the planet, between thirty-nine dollars and $44,000 a year, the top 1% on the planet, on the planet. Hey, do me a favor, take your hand, take your right hand, put it in front of your nose. Just You feel that? Do you feel that air? You feel your breath coming out of your nose? When's the last time you thanked God for that? Hello? Hello? Can you see me? If you can't wave, just wave at me. When's the last time you thanked God for that? When's the last time you thank God, that you could reach out and pick something up and hold it in your hands? I'm trying to tell us that we are blessed, amen? God has blessed us. Can you swallow when you chew your food? You're blessed. There are people who can't, right? And so the trick of the adversary is to get us to think because we don't have things Or someone else has something that we want or don't have that we're not blessed. And I'm telling us right now, we will never experience true joy looking at other people or trying to fill our life full of possessions. It doesn't last. And so for many people, joy is simply a focus problem. If you refocus, all you need to do is refocus. Fix your eyes on him, not them. And I'm I'm telling you, joy will flood your soul. He will give you joy for the journey. Yeah, I've had to learn this. Because it's always been about the destination. It's always been about the next project. It's always been about, okay, we've done this, now what? It's always someday, someday, someday. When I get here, I'll be happy. When I have this, I'll be happy. And God is saying, you should be, you should be joyful every day because every day is a gift that I've given you. Every day is a gift that I've given you. And so, so I'm, I'm teaching myself, and it's hard to break old habits, But I'm teaching myself to to enjoy the journey. Enjoy the journey. Just nudge your neighbor and tell them, enjoy the journey. Would you do that? Can I give you point number two? I'm going to anyway, so here we go. Oh, look, I didn't start the timer. There we go. Joy produces perspective. It produces perspective. James 1 2 says this. Consider it. What? When. Okay, let's do it again. Consider it what? When. I would I, I wonder how many people would um would want to be a part of Life Point Church if that was our church motto. Instead of building one life at a time. Um, hey, join Life Point Church where we take joy in trials. Well, people would be signing up for that, wouldn't they? If if Jesus had a website, I, I I think it would be pick up your cross and follow me. I mean, we don't we don't want to put that kind of stuff out there because we want to be happy. But but James says, consider it joy when you face all kinds of trials, because we know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. How we perceive something makes all the difference in the world. If I look at something as being harmful, if I look at it as being hurtful rather than helpful, it's going to be hard for me to endure the process and keep my joy. It's going to be very hard. And so one of the things that joy enables us is joy gives us eyes to see things differently, all right? It gives us eyes to see things differently because a person with joy can look at something uh, and they can see opportunity rather than obstacles and hindrances. Um, In other words, you see the obstacle as an opportunity, where someone else who doesn't possess joy can look at something and say, this is just a hindrance, this is doom, this is gloom, I don't know what we're gonna do, I don't know how we're going to make it. And so joy causes you to see obstacles as opportunities. We got this, we can handle this. And so James says, you know, you need to look at every trial, every test, every storm as an opportunity and not a hindrance. As a matter of fact, the King James Version says this, that you are to count it all joy. Count it all joy. Any CPAs in the house? Joan, praise the Lord, tax season, we love you, Joan. Any accountants, any, any, anybody balance your checkbook, anybody take care of that? Two people, praise God, we need help. <laughs> Financial peace, Rob. It's time for a new class. But when you do accounting, I said in the first service, Joan needs to be preaching right now, but you set everything up into categories, columns, profits, losses, add it up, subtract it, whatever. And what James is saying is this he's telling us, he says, when you face trials, don't count it as a loss. He said, instead of us putting it in the category of a burden, he said, when you face a trial, Put it in the category of a blessing. Why? Because joy changes my perspective. So you need to change the column. Change where you it. So in, instead, of, uh, instead of counting it as an expense, count it as income. Why? Because the Bible teaches us that our trial, our test is working for us and not against us. God says, I'm working everything in your life out what? Not for your bad. I'm working everything in your life out what? For your good. So he says, when you get in a trial, don't put it in the burden trial or don't put it in the burden column. Don't put it in this difficult. Just put it right there in the blessing. This is a blessing. And I don't know how you're going to do it, God, but you're going to do it. And I know, I know it's hard. It's hard for us to see that when you're in the middle of a storm. It was very difficult for the disciples to recognize Jesus walking on the water in the midst of their storm because storms have a way of getting us to see things different than the way we should. The Bible says when they looked at Jesus, they thought he was a ghost. And they were fearful. And the Bible said Jesus would have passed them by, but one of them yelled out. How many times I wonder, because we don't have the right perspective on things, does God pass us by because we're looking at it totally different than the way he wants us to look at it. Why? Because Jesus told the disciples what? He said, I'm going to meet you on the other side. I'm going to send you ahead of me I'll meet you on the other side. Listen to me. If God says you're going to get through this, you're going to get through it. If God says I'll meet you on the other side, he'll be on the other side. God is on the other side of your storm. Not only is he on the other side of it, God is right in the middle of it. Amen? And sometimes you don't, God, I can't see you in this, but I can assure you God's in it. Come on, nudge your neighbor and tell him God's in this. Come on, tell him God's in this. If you look back over your life, your trials, your tests that you've had to go through, you didn't lose. You didn't lose. I'll ask you a question. Has Jesus ever let you down? What what makes you think he's going to start now? He's never let you down. He never will let you down. And you have his word to stand on. And when you look back over your life and the trials and the tests that you've gone through, you look back over that and you you say, you know what? That was good for me. I didn't see it at the time, but that was good for me. I'm glad now that I went through that. There are some things that I've gone through that I'd never want to go through again, but I'm glad I went through it. Amen. Mm -hmm. I am a better person because I went through it, not around it, not (laughs) avoiding it, but went through it. You know, when you lost that job and you thought your world was coming to an end, but now you know you'd never be where, you're, where you are right now had you not lost that job? Carl, stopped me. Was Carl in here? He's probably working security. But anyway, he said, you know what? He said, if I never would have lost that job, if I never would have got fired, I never would have had the job that took care of me and my family, I think for 30 years after that. I'm not sure. He said, I never would have had this, this blessing in my life. And so now you can look back and say, you know what? I never would have been here had I not lost that. But because I lost that, it caused me to do this, and because I did this, I'm here now, right? That person that you thought you couldn't live without, you know, the one that walked out on you and broke your achy, breaky heart? (laughs) That person, right? How can I? It's a little high (laughs) for me. Praise team, will you help me here? How can I live? I I can tell you, you can live without them. Listen to me. I'm not minimizing the pain. I'm not talking about a loved one passing, but God says you can have joy in the middle of that too. Because Paul said, you know, we grieve, but not like those who have no hope. So our loved ones that have gone on before the Lord, there's grieving, there's sorrow, there's, there's loss. But we also hold on to the hope that we're going to be reunited one day, right? For the dead in Christ are going to rise first, and then all of us who are alive and remain are going to be caught up together in the clouds, in the air, and there shall we ever be with the Lord and with them. There'll be no separation in heaven, no separation. So we have joy in our heart knowing that one day we will be reunited with our loved ones, right? So that person you thought you couldn't live without, you're doing all right. Because when the one you could see left you, it opened your eyes to the one you couldn't see, and his name is Jesus, and he changes everything. Whew. You know what I think we need to do? I think we need to get our phone out this week, and I think we need to call, and I think we need to text some ex employers. Thank you. Thank you for firing me. Hallelujah. You know, just call them up. Hey, thank you for letting me go. It's the greatest thing that ever happened to me. I may have been sowing in tears, but I'm reaping in joy right now. Come on. I'm reaping right now. Some of you, with, with your spouse's permission, you need to text some of your exes. I'm living just fine without you. <laughs> I'm doing all right. Come on, someone. Right? Don't count it as loss. Count it in the positive. Count it as a blessing. Change the column you're putting it in. What I thought was a loss, God says, that's a profit. You're going to profit from that. Because the trial, here's, here. the trial is designed to get you closer to God. How I many of you know that's gain? That's winning. <laughs> the trial is designed to get you. Here, here's the way you know the difference between a trial and temptation. A trial is designed to get you closer to God. If it's taking you away from God, that's a temptation. If it's taking you to God, that's a trial. If it's taking you away from God, that's a temptation temptation is supposed to be resisted trials are supposed to be welcomed. temptation weakens my faith trials strengthens my faith and we need to be able to discern what I'm going through this is a trial this is a test and it's and it's building my faith and it's drawing me closer to God so then we have to resist the temptation the temptation to what the temptation to compare we have to resist the temptation to compete We have to resist the temptation to possess because our joy is not dependent upon pleasure or our comfort. Our joy is dependent upon us being right dead smack in the middle of the will of God. And sometimes being in a trial is being in the middle of the will of God. All right. Point three. Joy is power. Say that with me. You did good. The first service took three times to get that one. Nehemiah 8 and 10 says, do not grieve. And I talked about that on Christmas Eve. He says, for the joy of the Lord is what? Say it. The joy of the Lord is my strength. So guess what? When the enemy wants to rob you of your strength, guess what he comes after? comes after your joy. Because if he can get your joy, he can get your strength. And if he can get your strength, he can get you. Because then you don't have the strength to resist temptation, nor do you have the strength to fight the battle that you're facing. If you don't believe me, just ask Brother Samson. He can teach a class on it. Right? So he uses the thing to get to you. I'm gonna, he doesn't care. The devil doesn't care if you have a new car or not. He doesn't care if you have nice clothes or not. He doesn't care. What's he going to do with your car anyway? He <laughs> don't need your car, right? But he knows if your car has you, <laughs> and he can get to that thing, because he'll, he'll go after the secondary thing in order to get to the primary thing. And the primary thing is you. He wants you. And so if that means, if, if, if all of my happiness and all of my joy is tied up in things, then he'll come after that. Because ultimately he's coming after me. Right? So the joy of the Lord is our strength. And one of the reasons that the joy of the Lord is Is power is because the joy of the Lord protects us. I'm almost done, I promise. I'm almost done. Look at this scripture in Proverbs. Um, Some of you may be able to identify right now with this physically. Even honey seems tasteless to a man who is full. But if he is hungry, he'll eat anything. Uh That's what some of you women have been doing. No, I'm just kidding. I'm going to get in trouble right now. I take that back. I'm sorry. You've been starving him, so I'll just eat anything. No, I take that back. I'm sorry. Uh, Y'all pray for me today because I'm in trouble when I go home. Anybody going to lunch? Anybody need a lunch partner? When you're hungry... You could be attracted to unhealthy things. Uh, When you are most hungry, that's when you're uh, most unhappy. And I'm gonna spiritualize this right now. If there is a certain eating regiment that you're trying to maintain, how many of you know it's hard to maintain when you're hungry? Hello? Got to drink this juice, it's been in the blender, here's a piece of pizza, praise God. <laughs> and I'm hungry, <laughs> right? So I'm gonna go for that pizza, because I just love pizza. But if I'm on a regiment, then I shouldn't be going for that. But if I was full, I wouldn't be tempted, right? How many of you know what this is right here? How many of you know what this is? Hello? How many of you know what this is? What is this? Little Debbie's snacks. How many of you know this is a bad decision? It's a bad decision. Stay with me. All right? I tried to get those Christmas trees. Anybody have a Christmas tree? I know my girls love the Christmas trees. anybody love the Christmas trees? Come on, tell the truth, shame the devil. You ever notice? You ever notice how easy they make these things to open? <laughs> they do. They really do. <laughs> right? Oh, looky here. This thing's just. Oh, it's open. I should probably. Anybody ever try, did you just try to get your kid's toy out of that thing that they oh, yeah. shrunk, wrap it in, and you need a chainsaw, you need a construction worker, just to open that toy up, right? They ought to start putting little Debbies in those types of things. Because, you know, we just get frustrated and forget it. I don't even want this anymore. They just, they just make it too easy for us to get to it, right? Typically... You and I have made bad decisions when we're hungry. Hungry for a relationship, bad decision. Hungry for money, bad decision. Hungry for position, bad decision. When you get hungry, you start making bad decisions. Because I guarantee you, if you do an audit over your life, and I have, if you do an audit over your life, you will find that you made some of your worst decisions when you were hungry. Are you with me? Joy protects you from that. Joy keeps you from making those bad decisions. Because even if something looks sweet, if you're full, if you are fulfilled, then even sweet things can entice you. Oh, that's a sweet deal. And that's going to profit you, and it's going to cause you to have a a, a great, that's going to cause your uh, bank account to just kind of go to the next level. But the problem is you're going to have to compromise your integrity and your character. I mean, of you know it's not worth it. It's not worth it right? And if, you, if you're full, then somebody can entice you to lower your standards, right? You can just say, no, I'm good. I'm full. I don't need it. So guess what? If you're single, <laughs> keep your focus on Jesus. Come on. <laughs> keep your focus on Jesus. <laughs> you know what you're looking for, You know what you're looking for in a spouse. You know what you're looking for in a relationship. But if you're hungry, oh, they'll do. Because I'm hungry. I'm lonely. I got the dog and it didn't work. I'm hungry. So then someone comes up to you like, hey, you want to grab dinner tonight? Yeah, because I'm hungry. And if you were full, you're like, no, I'm good. Thank you, but I'm good, right? I know what I'm looking for. I know what I want. And you don't, you don't, <laughs> you don't check all the boxes. So we might as well settle, settle it right now. We ain't having dinner. And, and, you know, they're wanting to hug you. And you're like, no, we're good. We'll just do the fist pump thing, Right? Guys, when, when she kind of taps you on the shoulder like twice, like this, no, we're good, that means we're friends, and that's all the further this thing's going. So you might as well just back off. Right. Now, if she does something like this, you know, kind of, oh, that. ask her out for dinner. You got a good chance of going to dinner. Okay. All right, I'm closing. When you're hungry, anything will do. Another translation of that scripture says this even what's bitter will taste sweet. In other words, you will settle for less than God's best. Esau was hungry and he sold his birthright, his inheritance, to satisfy a temporary craving of hunger. Don't sell your inheritance to satisfy a temporary craving. Fix your eyes on him, focus on him, be filled with his spirit right? And you won't compromise and you won't settle and you won't lower your standards or your expectations. And in its time and in its place and in God's way, that right person, that right job, that right home, that right whatever will come into your life because God will bless you in his time. I want you to stand with me this morning. Remember Philippians 4, 12, and 13, Paul says, I've learned how to be content. Be, being content in the season that you're in, whether it's a season of need or whether it's a season where, like, you know what, every need's been met. I'm good. I'm fine. Learn how to be content. And the way that you learn how to be content is understanding that, as I said last week, understanding that God is working this out in your favor. A favorable outcome for your situation I asked it earlier I'll ask it again has he ever let you down he's not gonna start now has he ever forsook you he's not gonna start now I don't know about you maybe maybe some of you have and but but I don't know about you but I've never missed a meal you look at me and tell I've never missed a meal I've always had something to wear. I've always been in at at least a warm place. God says, when you put me first in my kingdom, He said, I'm going to add all of these things unto you. You won't even have to go looking for them. They're going to start looking for you. Priorities. Hungry? You hungry? You've been here for both services, you look hungry. It's a bad decision. I prayed the calories out of them. You're good. Alan, you hungry? I knew Alan would take that. Right? But equal little Debbie employer, any women in the house hungry? Here you go. Oh my, terrible throw. Goodness. I said it last week, I'm gonna say it again. Let's end 2019 with this mindset. I am going to choose joy. I can't control all of these things that are going on around me, but I can control what's going on in here. I can control what's going on in my spirit, and I just choose joy. I, I can have, I can be upset, I can be mad, I can be frustrated, but yet I can have joy unspeakable and full of glory. As a matter of fact, I think we should just carry this on right into the new year. And it kind of needs to be a little motto for us, that we're going to choose joy. And I, I guarantee if we'll start thinking like that, if we'll start reacting like that every situation we get in, I got a choice right now. I got a choice. Am I going to make a bad decision, or am I going to make a good decision? I'm going to choose joy. I'm going to choose to trust God. Amen.